Today, I want to introduce you to my friend and colleague, the Reverend Mary Lou Kegler. I first met Mary Lou 32 years ago when her church, Swope Parkway United Christian Church, formed a partnership with our church. We shared in dinner groups, choir exchanges, and pulpit exchanges way back in the 1980s. After Mary Lou retired from her work for the federal government, she became a minister at her church. She has held many leadership positions in our denomination, the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, and she's currently the moderator of the Greater Kansas City Region. Welcome, Mary Lou. Good morning, and thank you for this privilege and awesome experience to be back at Country Club Christian Church. I am so grateful for our time together. Thank you, Mary Lou, for engaging in this dialogue sermon with me today. We've really been talking about doing this for, well, at least three years now. And it seemed, I think, to the both of us that now the time was right. We both agreed that the place to start is scripture. And we looked together at several scriptures before we finally settled on this one from Matthew about two brothers. Mary Lou, what do you hear in this parable about the two brothers? I must admit, I was quite concerned about this preaching moment, but things began to come together Tuesday morning in my preparation time. I decided to use the King James Version as scripture, one that I rarely use, but felt this version was most appropriate for such a time as this. This version specifically identifies the father as a certain man, not just any man, but a certain man. And this man had two sons. Scripture says he instructed each son to go work today in my vineyard. As the parable continues, the first son said he would not, but afterward he repented and went. Scripture then says the second son answered and said, I go, sir, but he never went. Jesus asked the question, which of the two sons did what his father wanted him to do? The reply was the first. Webster's Dictionary defines the word certain as specific, known for sure, established beyond a doubt. This certain man, our Heavenly Father, tells us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to go and do things on a regular basis. We, his children, are just like that certain man's son who acted out of their own will. The first son repented and went. God is telling a nation and a world to repent. Second Chronicles 7 chapter verse 14 states, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. My question is, which son are you? The son that said he would not go, but later repented and went, or the son that said, I go, sir, and didn't go? I love what you're saying, Mary Lou. Uh, this parable, it 
forces us to think about which brother we are. And then Jesus does a brilliant thing. He lets the audience answer the question, which of the two did the will of his father? And the religious leaders answer, the first brother, the one who said no, but then went on to do God's work in the earthly vineyard. And by answering this way, the religious leaders indict themselves. Jesus says, truly, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. Jesus's words shocked and offended them. This is the only place in scripture where tax collectors and prostitutes appear in a phrase together. These two groups are both despised by the religious leaders. They are lawless, greedy, immoral, and social outcasts. Mary Lou, you and I are the religious leaders in the story. What if Jesus said to us, the white supremacist and those black people who are vandalizing businesses are going into the kingdom of God ahead of us, wouldn't we be offended? Jesus points to the process of turning one's life in a new direction or repenting in modern language. It's just changing our minds and changing our hearts. So why don't we sit down and talk about how we have been changed and what changes we might yet need to make. Carla, one year ago, this month actually, you got three of your white female friends, and I got three of my black female friends, and we got together for a dialogue. Boundaries were not limited, and we could talk about any subject matter. Okay. Carla, I have to be honest. The first time we got together, if you remember, I, do. I said to the group, now look, you all are going to learn much more from us than we will ever learn from you. And, you know, I must say, Carla, I have to repent because I honestly got far more from our gatherings, our honest discussions, mm -hmm. our honest conversations than I ever thought I would. I looked forward to our time together and the sisterhood that eventually developed. I enjoyed it so much too, and I learned so much in those dinner gatherings that took place back in 2019. Yes. And there's one moment that still stands out for me in my mind among many pivotal moments, but I call this one the watermelon moment. Mm -hmm. I remember the night that a woman, a white woman said, next time I'll bring a salad, we'll have some fried chicken on top of it, and if somebody wants, they could bring watermelon to go with it and it was kind of silent in the room after that. And the following week when we had dinner, one of your black friends carried in a beautiful tray of watermelon and we began passing it around the table. And then one black woman said, this is the first time in my entire life that I have ever eaten watermelon in front of a white person. And I was like, oh, why? And she said, my mother said, 
to us as children, never eat watermelon in front of a white person. Go to the back porch, not the front porch, if you want to eat watermelon and spit the seeds because it's a stereotype of black people. And the reason that stands out for me is because I realized at that moment how far we still have to go in understanding one another's stories and understanding how we are perceived by one another because I know I have never once wondered how anybody would perceive me eating a particular food. And even though you and I have been at this for over 30 years, this yeah. dialoguing, yeah. there is still so much further than we have to go. Yeah. And so after hearing your story of repentance and change and thinking about my moment of needing to change, I'm wondering if you and I and all the people listening to us today are really those brothers in the story, both brothers. You know, the parable seems kind of confusing, but I think it's meant to be confusing because I think the confusing part of life is that sometimes we have good intentions, mm -hmm. but we fail to follow through. Mm -hmm. We want to visit the sick. We want to empower the poor. We want to make friends across racial barriers, but we just don't quite get it done. And sometimes we say no to God, and then we find that our hearts are changed. We get converted in the best sense of that word. We discover what I'm really all about is loving this other person who is sometimes different from me. And so I think in the parable, all of us are both brothers. We're the yes brother who fails to follow through, and we're the no brother who resists God's will and then finally decides to go with God anyway. I would totally agree. Because if there had been an inquest into Jesus' death, the parable of the two sons would have probably been presented as one of the many things that got him killed. Yes, you're right, because Matthew tells us that Jesus told this story in the middle of Holy Week as they were plotting Jesus' death. Yes. And the tension was high, and Jesus points to the need for changed minds and changed hearts. And I'm wondering now at this moment in our history, what do you think needs to change in terms of our minds and hearts? What is going on in this country is much different than what has gone on in the past. Black folks have always protested. The civil rights movement was a movement of protests in this country. White folks were somewhat involved, but something changed with the death of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. That change is that white folks are standing shoulder to shoulder with black folks saying enough is enough and it's time for a change. I am so grateful to belong to a denomination that believes in a movement of wholeness in a fragmented world exists in 2020. Yes, we've been talking about a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world for years in Amen. our denomination, and all of us are called to that. And I'm wondering what you might say to me and to the congregation that I pastor about how God might be leading us to change. Well, again, I'm glad you asked. 
If you and I were sitting in a room, first thing I would say, Carla, I love you, but I want you to be reminded that I have seen a change in you and you are continuing to change. And I certainly hope that Country Club Christian Church on the corner of 61st and Ward Parkway will allow you, the senior pastor, to continue to develop in your changing process and they will gravitate and accept you for who you are because that's my biggest concern. Mary Lou, I deeply appreciate the ways that you have supported me and looked out for me in recent years. And I think the love that we share is Most mutual. And we've really become sisters. Yes. Um, because we belong to this body of Christ called the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. And right now, our country is hurting. There's yes. name calling, there's blaming, there's shaming and there's line drawing. There are people saying, you're the bad brother. Yeah. No, you're the bad brother. Yeah. And in the midst of all this strife, maybe it's time for all of us to change. Jesus Amen. calls them to change, but Jesus doesn't force anybody to change. Jesus invites them. And there's a line at the beginning of the parable where Jesus says, before he tells about the two brothers, he says, what do you think? And that line reminds me of a time when I was only 24 years old. Well. And I was in graduate school. Okay, now. And I was moving off campus into an apartment with a longtime friend of mine who just so happened to be black. Oh. And when my parents found out that a black woman would be my roommate, they loudly voiced their disapproval. And I was heartbroken. I didn't want to hurt my parents. I didn't want to lose their love and support, and I did not want to disrespect them, and I did not know what to do. And so I went to my pastor in the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, and I, I laid it all out for him, and I said, what should I do? And I sat patiently on the sofa in the pastor's office, waiting for the answer that the church would give. And he said, what do you think? What do you think? 